Liverpool Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How are you, friend? Thank you, as always, for joining us here on the Paul Leslie Hour. A great interview is in store for you. Lee Adams has always been a writer, but it was the Cole Porter musical "Kiss Me, Kate." It greatly intrigued the young Lee Adams, and soon he was writing his own lyrics. Meeting the composer Charles Strauss led him into a partnership, and the two went on to write some of the most enduring songs in theater. Some great singers have sung the lyrics of Lee Adams. Everyone from Frank Sinatra to Bob Dylan. Lee Adams went on to receive Tony Awards for "Bye Bye Birdie" in 1961 and applause in 1970. He has written the lyrics for the shows "All American," "Golden Boy," "It's a Bird," "It's a Plane," "It's Superman," "Bring Back Birdie," which was the sequel to "Bye Bye Birdie," and a Broadway musical. All collaborations with composer Charles Strauss. In 1989, Lee Adams was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. What can you say? The lyrics of Lee Adams are here to stay. As always, let me know what you think. I hope you enjoy the interview with Lee Adams. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my great pleasure to welcome the one and only Lee Adams. Thank you so much for joining us. That's a that's a pretty hefty introduction, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't don't be don't be、uh, what's the word bashful. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to be too modest. Okay, that's it, modest. All right. At heart, who is Lee Adams? At heart, yeah. That's and you say you say these would be easy questions. <laughs> well, I, I am I am a husband and father. I'm a, I'm a lyricist, a former journalist, and I've had a very a very happy and lucky life as a theatrical lyricist. What was life like growing up? Oh, I grew up in a in a, a small midwestern town. In everyone's mind, it was a golden age. And nostalgia works very, very nicely. But this was a Norman Rockwell kind of mid-American town called Mansfield, Ohio. I had a very happy childhood, a happy family, and it was good. What music did you listen to? All the usual, the pop stuff of the day. My parents were not particularly musical. They played the radio. We heard concerts on the radio. But I just like. I was had normal, normal feelings for for the music of the day. When I was in college, I got interested in in jazz and began collecting some jazz records and got quite interested in in jazz. And I I still like it and play a lot. Can you remember specific favorites, maybe specific records or specific singers or performers? Oh sure, sure. I love the big band sound. I've got a lot of Count Basie. Even before that, I have King Oliver. A lot of Louis Armstrong, a lot of early early jazz things, and I still play them, and I still like them. Were you always a writer? Yes, more or less. I, I was always writing something. I was a journalism student at Ohio State. I, I intended to be a journalist, and I was for quite a while, and enjoyed it. For a while, I I was kind of a cub reporter in Columbus, where when I was at Ohio State, and I came to New York in 1950. Or 1949, really, to get a master's at the Columbia School of Journalism, fully intending to be be a journalist. What pulled you away from journalism? Huh, 
I got hooked on writing lyrics, and I got hooked because uh, of the show Kiss Me Kate, Cole Porter's great show. I enjoyed it so much, and I was so intrigued by the lyric form that I began doodling around and, and doing it. And, and at Ohio State, I got involved with a student group doing a little musical and wrote some lyrics for this show and sort of got hooked. So when I came to New York to get my, my degree in journalism, I still was fooling around trying to write lyrics. And I met Charles Strauss. I've worked for many, many years, 50 years, over, over 50. Uh, he was a struggling young pianist looking for a, uh, a partner. And I met him, showed him my, my work from, uh, at Ohio State, my six songs in this, this college show, thinking he would fall over backwards at my talent. He didn't. He, he sight read my songs. Then he criticized them brutally. And I was very angry and hurt and embarrassed that I, I, I left, I left him went back to my basement apartment and in the middle of the night I got up and looked at those lyrics and I realized he was right this song, the prosody was wrong on this song, the rhymes were not true and I thought this guy is honest and smart and very talented and I think I want to meet him and, and do some work with him and that was over 50 years ago So after the initial criticisms that he had what was the second meeting like? How did you approach it from there? Well, I, I said to him, "I you criticized me, you criticized me, but you were right. I got a lot to learn about writing lyrics, and we began working, uh, trying to work together, starting to write songs. This was in like 1950, 1951. We tried writing pop songs for a few years, did not succeed. We're not good pop songwriters, and. Finally, in the mid-50s, we got a chance to go to a place called Green Mansions. That was a summer camp in the Adirondacks, where young New Yorkers went to meet each other. There was a full theater staff. We wrote, we showed a new show every week, music, lyrics, sketches, songs, dances, and it was a start of, of, of learning to work at theater. Very, very good. So how did Bye Bye Birdie come to be? How did your involvement with that? Start. Well, toward, toward the late 50s, Charles Strauss and I were writing special material for nightclub acts. We wrote special material for, for these for, for performers in these small clubs around New York. And a producer named Edward Padula met with us, and he said, I like your work. Would you like to write a Broadway show? <laughs> Some question for struggling young writers. Of course, we said we would. His idea was a show about young people. That's all, all, all he had to offer us was a show about young people. Well, we began working on it. It evolved into, after three years of work, it evolved into Bye Bye Birdie. And that was our first show. It was an enormous success and which is a, a fluke in the theater. And we went on from there. When it did debut on Broadway, how did that feel? What were you thinking? It was unbelievable. First of all, no one in, involved in the show was really a star. The biggest star was, was probably Cheetah Rivera, who uh, had been in West Side Story. But everybody else in the show, the book writer, Mike Stewart, Charles Strauss and myself, the director, Gower Champion. It was the first show Gower directed, not just choreographed. None of us were, were, were big shots in the theater. And the show had absolutely no 
Nobody in New York thought the show had a chance because it was a rock and roll musical on Broadway. Oh, my goodness. The theater establishment laughed at us. We opened, in those days, you went out of town. We opened in Philadelphia. We were a modest success in Philadelphia, but the audience was very good. And so we came to New York with no money in the box office, no, no advance sale, and opened, and it was a hit. A lot of the songs that you've written have become standards. You've been inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. How does that all yeah. feel? It feels wonderful. I mean, you, you don't expect this when you, when you struggle for 10 years to get, to get your first show on Broadway. But it, it, it felt wonderful. I, I had a magazine job at the time of Birdie. It was a, 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 a Sunday supplement called This Week. I was an article editor there. And I wrote Birdie in my spare time, of course. I was trying to make a living as a magazine editor. Three months after Birdie opened, I was still working at, at this week. And I finally uh, realized that I didn't have to do that anymore. I could become a full-time lyricist. And so, and so I went in to, to, to tell my boss that I had to leave. And he said, what took you so long? Your show is terrific. Good luck. <laughs> and And goodbye. Can you recall writing the song "A Lot of Living to Do"? Oh yeah. Well, uh, it was one of one of the forty uh, odd songs we wrote for "Bye Bye Birdie." It came down to about sixteen, I guess. We wanted to write a song that would uh, show Conrad Birdie as being an exuberant guy with sort of shallow values, and an up-tempo song that that would show him off, and so. I got the idea for the title, and we wrote the song. What did you think of Tony Bennett's version of Put on a Happy Face? I liked it a lot. It was our first our first really important uh, recording, and I, we were thrilled. Bennett, Bennett remains one of the great, uh, great singers, and I, I met him briefly, and he's a lovely guy, and uh, he's re recorded three of our songs, I think. Uh, happy Face... It has become a very good standard for us. When that song was recorded, our publisher called us and said, we, we have Tony Bennett going to record Put on a Happy Face. And we said, terrific. And he said, well, he said, the other side of the record is nothing. You'll get lots of airplay. The other side of the record was one of his biggest hits, it turned out. I left my, my heart in San Francisco. But anyway, it was thrilling to get Tony Bennett on that song. What is it like when you hear a song that you've written on the radio? Does it cause you to pause for a second? Oh, sure. It, it's it's fun. It, it's a great kick. A lot of people have recorded your music. Is there a favorite recording of yours of a song that you wrote? Let me think. Uh, probably a few. Our show, Golden Boy, got some good records. But one of my favorite songs that, that, that Strauss and I have written is from the score of Golden Boy. It's Lorna's Here. And I, I particularly like that song because I'm very, very pleased and proud of the fact that, of the, the vocabulary of that and the fact that I, I think I got into that, that character's mind and, and wrote a good song, a, a simple song, but a very, a very good song for the show and for the character. I think her, uh, on the, the original cast album of Golden Boy, I think it's really a wonderful record. What lyricist has inspired your writing the most? Cole Porter, Oscar Hammerstein, the best. It's interesting. I was thinking the other day, lyricists are sometimes not 
Not denigrated. No, that's wrong. But people, people sometimes, I think, sort of pass over the lyricist's work because words, you know, everyone uses words. It's a language everyone is familiar with. And so it seems like an ordinary thing to write lyrics. But composers, uh, uh, to write music is an exotic, very, a very esoteric, uh, a language. And most people uh, don't understand how that's done. So the lyricist sometimes gets, gets sort of passed over. I always laugh. One of the reviewers of, of, of our show, It's a Bird and It's a Plane, It's Superman. One of the reviewers was congratulating Charles Strauss on Charles Strauss's witty songs. It occurs to me that if the songs were witty, perhaps the lyric had something to do with it. Right. On that note, what makes for good lyrics? Uh, good lyrics in the theater. A good theater song must come out of the characters, out of the character, must jibe with that character who is singing that song, and must also advance the plot. A good theater song will do several things. It will let you understand more about that character and the situation he's in, he or she, and also will advance the plot a little bit. And if you succeed in doing that, then you've written a good theater song. What inspires you to write lyrics? Oh, the challenge of the challenge of creating a show and making a musical uh, where the where people relate to the characters and have a good time. The challenge is great because it, it, it's it's very hard work. It, it's very difficult to write theater lyrics because you're not just writing a song. You're writing for a story. You're writing for a certain scene in that play. You're writing for a certain character with that character's problems and idiosyncrasies and personality. And the challenge of that is great. In talking with Charles Strauss, it seems like he's a guy who's kind of hard on himself. Who is that? Charles Strauss. Oh, yeah. Well, yes, he is. He works very hard and he takes it very seriously. And he's a fine, he's a fine collaborator because he is tough. And I, I like to think that I'm, I'm tough too. I'm probably not as tough as he is. But when I bring him a lyric, if we're working on a, on a show, I bring him a lyric. He'll criticize it, of course. I will, uh, uh listen to that and, 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 and consider it. We'll talk it through. But the, the trick with collaborating is, and this is, this is something that not, not every, every theater writer can deal with. When your collaborator criticizes a, a piece, he's not criticizing you. He's just criticizing that lyric. And if you take it personally and think he's criticizing you, it'll never work. A good collaboration is like a marriage. You've got to deal with each other in a very mature way. Not everybody can do that. Do you think it's important that people keep that criticism, that they not try to, I guess, tread lightly? you think it's important that people are honest about one another's work? Oh, you have to be. Otherwise, the work doesn't happen. You have to be honest. You, you don't have to be brutal about it, but, but you have to, you have to respect the other person and he has to respect you. It has to be mutual respect, just like in a marriage and listen to the other guy and, and work it out, fight it out. If you could pick one song of yours that most represents you, what would that song be? <laughs> well, that's very difficult. Are you asking me for my favorite song that I've written? That's hard. As I said before, I'm very fond of Lorna's Here and Golden Boy. I'm very fond of Put On a Happy Face. I think it's, it's a charming little song and, 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 and works. 
Oh, I'm trying to think. It's hard to pin down on any one song. I, I have a lot of favorites and some songs that are, are not my favorites. <laughs> what is the best thing about being Lee Adams? <laughs> you ask very tough questions sometimes. The best thing is I've had a satisfying life. My personal life is happy. I'm happily married, have two lovely daughters. And I'm able, luckily, because of working in the theater for so long, I, I'm able to enjoy kind of a, a semi-retirement. I'm 88 years old. I feel pretty good, but, but I, I'm not starting any new projects. Charles and I are working now on some new things for a possible revival of our show, Applause, which may or may not happen, but we hope it will. I consider myself a very lucky guy, able to, uh, to sustain myself and enjoy life. My last question, what would you like to say to all the people who are listening in? Totally open-ended. About songwriting? About anything you like. Uh, <laughs> Open state. That's, that's uh, again, very tough. I'd say if you have an ambition to do something like being a songwriter, jump in and do, and do it, and do it as, as hard as you can. And don't be afraid of challenges. Because nothing challenges inspire you to, to do better. That that's, it sounds like a, a silly thing to say, but it, but it's true. And do what you like to do, if you have a chance to do that, and enjoy it. Mr. Adams, it has been a great pleasure to welcome you on the Paul Leslie Hour. Thank you so much. You're quite welcome, Paul. All right. Well, have a wonderful evening. Thanks so much, Paul. Pop, pop, doodly, zing, bang, doodly, knock, cock, cheap, taboo. Bibbidi, pot, a cut, a jeep, a pop, bed, a lack of tea. Oh, get a gig, madam, no, Oh, get a, 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 a,